Hi to all of our All Nation San Bernardino family, all of our Las Vegas family, our E-Tribe family that's out there. I'm so excited that you've joined us for this worship experience. I want you to do something that we do every week, so I know you're ready. I want you to press that supernatural button, the, the share button, and let everybody know that we're on live and the Word of God is coming. I'm excited today as we move into this uh, really amazing series entitled Tables and Chairs. We're moving into week number three of the series, and I believe that as your heart is open, God is going to drop some things in your heart that are going to help you produce beyond what you've ever produced before, specifically in your family. Let's go to Matthew chapter five and verse number six, Matthew chapter five and verse number six. And this is what the Bible says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. Let's read it again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I want to minister a message to you today entitled Family Table Talk. Family Table Talk. So as we dive into this, we have been in this series, Table and Chairs, as helping us navigate the spaces and the places we are called to, right? Today, we're dealing with family. I'm literally at a dining table today because I want you to really picture and understand the importance of navigating that space. Family shouldn't just happen. We have to be led by God in building family. Let's jump into it. In our text today in Matthew chapter five, we see the story of Jesus literally giving a sermon, a message, being able to declare his heart to his followers. And he goes through a list of what we call the Beatitudes. He goes through a list of things that people need to connect with as it relates to manifesting character the way he's designed for you to manifest it. We're here in our text today in Matthew chapter five and six, we see that he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Most of us need to get this, that homes and families, we all want them blessed, but the blessing is dependent on or connected to what's released over our home as it relates to appetite. Here's the question. In your house today, what kind of appetite does your family have? Just think about that for a minute. In your house today, what kind of appetite do your family have? Now, I'm not talking about what kinds of food do you enjoy. If you like me, I'm a crawfish boy. And I mean, a matter of fact, after ministering this message to you today, I will eat three pounds of crawfish, three pounds of crawfish, Cajun medium from the amazing boiling crab. If you're wondering, what could I get the man who has everything? So I think for Father's Day, you can get me gift cards to boiling crab. All right. So we're not talking about my appetite. We're not talking about what you like to eat in the natural. We're not talking about those of us who like a lot of sweets. If you're out there and you enjoy sweets, like you have a really bad sweet tooth, sweet tooth, would you just please drop it in the comments right now and say, I'm greedy. Just type in, I'm greedy in the... <laughs> The comments today. I uh, just type that in. Listen, each and every one of us have natural appetites, things that we enjoy. But I'm really talking about today your spiritual appetite. What are what is the spiritual appetite like in your family? What are they hungry for? Are they hungry for God? Are they hungry for time? Are they hungry for energy? 
What would your kids say if we were to sit down and interview your children for the parents out there? What would they say the appetite in your household is like? Question, let's go a little deeper. Are, is your appetite really directed towards social media? Is it directed towards television? Is it directed towards all of these other things? How is your appetite situated in your family? One of the great things about God is that he releases to our lives grace. So no matter where we find ourselves, that we always have the opportunity to shift or to change. I'm going to come all in your business today. We're going to talk about some things that are going to help a lot of us. And we're going to end up finding out that each and every one of us, actually every family, has things that are happening in the culture of their family that needs to shift. One of my favorite authors, Dr. Sam Chan, says this, that culture will eat your vision for lunch. I'll say it again. Culture will eat your vision for lunch. That means the ideas that you have for your life, for your family, they're great. But the ideas don't really matter if the culture is opposite or different from it. Culture equals actions. Culture equals the things that you're actually doing. And a lot of us have ideas of what we want our family to be perceived as. We have ideas of how we want our family to act or behave. But the truth is that the actual culture, the actions, are actually eating our ideas or our vision for lunch. Great news for you, we can change the culture. Whatever the culture has been in your family, whether it's been through your bloodline, no matter how long it's lasted for decades, you have the ability to be able to shift it and change it. So I want you in your assessment of what the appetite of your family is like. What is your family hungering for? What is your family thirsting for? If you find something negative there, make the commitment today I'm going to change our appetite. I'm going to change our appetite. As a matter of fact, type that in the comments right now. I'm going to change our appetite. And it really doesn't matter. Catch this. You don't have to be the mother or the father. You don't have to be the patriarch or you don't have to be the matriarch of a family. You don't have to be the oldest individual in a family. All we need is a remnant in the family. All we need is a small part of the family who's made a decision that they're going to be a part of the change. If you've seen change in society, if you've seen change all throughout the Bible, you saw one man, right? You saw a small group that stood up for God or stood up for the, the, the kingdom of God, stood up for God's ideas. And because they stood up for it, they were able to cause a shift. I feel in the Holy Ghost today that somebody's about to step into a shift in their family. And I'm going to tell you how it's going to happen. You're going to take personal responsibility for your family. You're not going to look at the culture of your family and say, this is bad or this is great and just leave it on others. But you're about to move into a place of saying, I can shift the culture. I can curate the change. I've been wanting to use that word in a sentence for weeks now. I can curate the change. So go ahead and do it. One of the things I want you to write down today is this. Families matter to God. Families matter to God. We're thinking about, I want to fulfill a purpose, right? I want to walk in the plan of God. The most of us, we're thinking like, I want to make it. I want to fulfill. But a lot of times, we're not thinking about how does that manifest in family? Especially if the family members are not necessarily our children. We are sitting in a place, or our husband or our wife, we're sitting in a place where we kind of pull out from taking responsibility of anything having to do 
with our grandparents, our cousins, our distant cousins. You know, everybody has that one cousin that just can't get it right. And so you don't even like people to know that's your cousin. You know what I'm talking about? Like so all of us have people in our family. And some of us just have moved back from responsibility. We just think that has nothing to do with me. But I want to kind of move you into the place of responsibility as God's ambassador, as a kingdom ambassador. Each and every one of us are set in place to be a culture shifter. Here's a better word to be an intercessor for our family. Each and every one of us have the responsibility. So if families matter to God, your family matters. I'll just say it again. If families matter to God, your family matters. Oh, my God. Yes, they do. They're important to God. God is concerned about every aspect of your family. And I believe that every bloodline, every family has a prophetic destiny. My God, if you even look at Jesus as he came into the earth, Jesus was seeing what in the lineage of David. And as you go through scripture, all in the Old Testament, you can begin to see others who were in the lineage of Jesus, who were in the storyline of Jesus. It was bigger than just what Jesus manifested. There was a call on the bloodline. I feel the Holy Ghost now. Something's happening. Glory to God in your bloodline where you're awakening to the prophetic destiny and you're going to come that whatever God's idea is for your family, it's going to come to pass. I want to prophesy to you. There is such a shift coming in your life, my God, that even in the next seven months of your family's history, your family's future, rather, even the next seven months of your family future, you're about to see major shifts and changes because you get on the wall. My God, you get on the wall and believe that, hey, if it's going to be, it's up to me. I'm going to stand in defense of my family's destiny. It's that time for you. I believe it. But listen to me. Strong families don't just happen. Strong families don't just happen. You, you can look at a family and you can say, oh, my God, this family is amazing or this family has this going for them. But it doesn't just happen. Families are built with deliberate intention. They're built with determination. And catch this, please. They're built with practice. I need to say it again. Strong families are built with deliberate intention, determination and practice. Nobody ever gets it right all the time. Listen, 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 please. Can I be honest with you today? If I can be honest, please tell me in the comments. Let me know if it's okay with you if I tell the truth. Each and every one of us, here it is, have looked at different parts of our family and whether you as a father, you as a son, you as a cousin, you as a grandmother, as a grandfather, we have all at one point in time felt like we've been failing in family. And I can be honest and say to you that I have been challenged the past six months as a father. I've been challenged Well, I've looked at different aspects of my fatherhood and wondered, man, I feel like I am messing this thing up. I just I'm just not getting it right is not lining up. Right. But it's in those moments where you have to dive into the presence of the Lord. You have to dive into the word of God and allow God to give you his strategy, his mind and his heart for building your family with intentionality, building your family with determination and building your family with practice. Listen, don't give up on yourself as a mother, as a as a husband, as a as a son, 
as a daughter, don't give up on yourself and don't give up on your family. Be determined that we will look the way that God intended for us to look. Be determined that we will walk in the direction that God wants us to walk into. Because I promise you, if you don't give up, there's a promise. Good God Almighty. There's a promise with your family's name on it. And God's going to do something so unique for your family. I don't care what it feels like right now, what it looks like right now. He has something so special and unique that he wants to release in your family. And guess what? The blessing of the Lord is bigger than any curse the devil can ever bring. The blessing of the Lord is bigger than any habit that could ever be in your family. The blessing of the Lord is bigger than any negative culture that could ever be there. And I sense like the I sense the blessing of the Lord is being released over your family in an amazing way. Just receive that today. Strong families don't just happen. You're about to press in to building this family the way God intended for you to build it. What is the hunger? What is the appetite of your family looking like? Let's go further in scripture. First Timothy chapter six and verse 11. First Timothy chapter six and verse 11 says, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Let's read it again. You, a man of God, flee these things. Flee, enlist some negative things that the man of God was had the potentiality of connecting with. The Bible says, hey, leave that stuff. But as you leave that stuff, don't just move into being on pause. As you leave that stuff, this is what you do. Pursue this. Go after. Go after righteousness. Go after godliness. Go after faith. Go after love. Go after patience. Go after gentleness. I want you to get this. How are you going to build a steady family, a strong family? How are you going to build a strong culture inside of your family? You got to pursue God and pursue these character traits that the Lord wants you to have in place. You've got to say, I'm going to let this go, but I'm going to run after this. You can't just sit back and say, I know this isn't right. This doesn't look good. This is bad that we do this in our family. Or you can look at your family right now and you say, Sherman, I'm not really connecting with you today because my family is amazing. My family is phenomenal. And I don't see what we need to shift or change anything. Okay, pride is your answer. <laughs> we we got to get rid of pride. Why? Because every family has space to grow. And if you're going to go to the next level, you've got to pursue. Hear me. You've got to pursue godliness, righteousness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. You got to pursue it. Go after it and go after it with everything you have and make a decision. You're not going to let anything stop you from going where it is that you want to go. So how am I going to improve marriage? How am I going to improve parenting? How am I going to improve the, the financial culture of my family? I have to pursue righteousness. I have to pursue what God has available. And as I go after it, things are going to shift. I love one of my most favorite verses. Um, we used to sing a song years ago um, with this in it. In Psalms 42 and 1, it says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come? When shall I come and appear before God? The scripture says. Now, when you read that, it sounds so wonderful. The picture that's painted there, you see the deer near the water. Oh, it's so nice and calming. But let's talk about why the deer goes to the water brook. The deer 
runs to the water brook, not because he's thirsty, but for protection. The deer comes to the water brook to try to hide from those things that are coming after him. The deer goes to the water brook because he sees the water brook as a place of safety. So when I'm talking about running and pursuing after righteousness, godliness, patience, running after these things, joy and pursuing it, you got to see that like the water brook, the things that God has made available. There's protection there. Your family is protected in pursuing that. Go for the water brook. I want you to type in the comments now. I'm coming for the water brook, right? I'm positioning myself in the water brook. And because I know I'm positioned, I'm protected. Good God, Sherman, you're teaching well. Thank you. Listen, I have to get into that place of protection by pursuit. So I'm not just pursuing God because it's what Christian people say I need to do. I'm not just pursuing godly character, righteousness and, and love and joy. I'm not just pursuing that stuff because everybody says it does. Like I need I need to pursue this for my own protection, for the protection of my mind. Glory to God for the protection of culture in my family, for the protection of the next level of my family. I have to pursue this. I have to pursue this. I have to go after it. And I believe as you do, something amazing is being released in your family. So I wanted to give you some. I'm like real practical stuff that you can be able to put in place. I've been working on that. You notice the last couple of weeks, I've been giving you points and stuff, stuff you can write down and apply. Here it is. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter six. We're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter six. And today I'm going to give you four guiding principles for building a stronger family. I want to give you four guiding principles, things that you can walk away with that you say, let's go. I, I can see this. Let's make this happen for helping you to build a stronger family. Remember, this doesn't matter if you're married. It doesn't matter if you have kids yet. All of this can relate to your part as the intercessor or the ambassador of the kingdom of God to your family. Oh, I just heard something prophetically. Some of you are asking God to send you to a missions field. And the Lord said, I already did. Don't you dare turn this off. I'm talking to you. He said, I already did. Your family is the mission field. I just heard the Holy Ghost say that for many of you, your family is the forgotten mission field. You want to be sent into entertainment and arts and you want to go into media and you want to go into politics and you want to go into education. But the Lord said, no, I want to deal with your heart. Aha. Yeah, I want to deal with your heart and I want to position your heart in a different way where now you're going to go ahead and step into the mission field called family. Yeah, there are souls that are being that are waiting for you to get positioned and understand that there's something that God has for you more than to say something for you to do. Many of us have been stuck in say as it relates to family. And that's why your family hasn't turned yet, because you talk too much. You've been committed to talking, but what family is going to, what's going to shift family, remember, culture is actions. So if you want to shift culture, then you've got to step into the actions of God. There has to be some things that you shift that looks like God. Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost stirring now. Yeah, yeah, there has to be some stuff that looks like God through you. When you show up in your family, are you looking like God or are you looking like hell, huh? And, and I know you're talking and saying, oh, you need Jesus. Y'all really, my, my church is streaming 
streaming right now. You really need to come on and watch. But after we finish streaming and after they finish watching the worship experience, do you know what's going to make it more impactful to them is what you do on a daily basis. Love is not in talk. My God, love is in action. And do you have the actions moving that's going to be able to shift your family? I think just do some intentional moves of love, do some intentional actions of love. Your family is going to shift. And I believe revival is coming directly to your family as you put yourself in the place of action and stop talking. All right, let's move forward. Deuteronomy, sixth chapter, fourth verse. Okay, this is God talking to talking talking to Israel for without a doubt. But I believe that there are some principles still in here that we can pull out that can connect to us all as it relates to our family. So let's dive into it. Deuteronomy chapter six and four says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you're like, huh? Sherman, what are you talking about? Well, here's, here's, the, first, here's the first principle I want you to write down that's going to help you to build a strong family culture is that your family needs to hear the truth continually. Okay? That's number one. Your family must hear the truth continually. It matters what your family is hearing. Um, as we are connecting ourselves to growing and becoming better, we have to be careful to make sure that the sound in our family is the sound of the kingdom. Um, sometimes we'll begin to, when we get angry, and all of us can be honest about this in communication. Sometimes if we get angry, we can get to places where we say stuff that we shouldn't. And once words are released, we think I'm sorry changes things, but I got news for you. It doesn't. It's already out there. Okay. I'm sorry may make the person, you know, stop crying for a moment. I'm sorry may make them say it's okay. But the truth is the words have already been released. That's why the Bible says something powerful in, in, in Proverbs. He says, how forceful are right words, right? So the right words that we release or the right sound we release has force behind it, causing for shifts and changes to happen when the right sound is being released. And what is the right sound? Sound that's connected to truth. What is the truth? The truth is God's word. Let me give you something. Something can be a fact and not be the truth. Ah, the fact is your dad is an alcoholic and you're sick of it. That's a fact. You're, you're tired of this. This man is a mess. He's an alcoholic. He's mean to us. He does these horrible things. The truth is he's a son of God. The truth is he's called by God. Before he was ever in his mother's womb, God ordained him. The truth is the thoughts that God thinks towards him are amazing thoughts. And so now we've got to cancel out facts by releasing the truth. When the truth is released, the facts can change. Sherman! This is good. When the when the truth is released, the facts can change. And so you've got to be willing to release the truth and let the truth be the thing that changes the facts in your family. Right. And be careful in your communication, because when we get heated, we start saying stuff. When we get heated, we start saying stuff. Can I talk to fathers real quick? Fathers, more than anybody else, I want to talk to you in this message. Because I need you to understand that out of your mouth comes the formation of everything else in your family. Husbands and fathers, I want to talk to you first. 
because I need you to change the way and shift, upgrade and make sure that the words that you're releasing are lining up with the truth of God. Because once you say it out of your mouth already, formations happening in your children. As soon as you say out of your mouth, formations happening in your wife. And you want to make sure that you're releasing the right words that are going to get the right formation. So you've got to do the work behind the scenes, connecting with the heart of God, connecting in the word of God so you can know the truth to speak the truth. Okay, how do we know this? We know the truth. The truth makes us free. Freedom is connected when we start talking truth instead of speaking just the facts. Even if you state the fact, state the truth about the fact, meaning that this might be the situation. But let me tell you the truth that I'm standing on for you. You, you may be messed up now, but let me tell you the truth that I'm standing on for you. You've got to watch your words. Make sure your family is hearing the truth continually. But then that means that all of us have to position ourselves to make sure that we take personal responsibility for the truth being released to our family. How's the truth of God's heart and the kingdom of God being released to your family? And have you taken the personal responsibility to make sure the truth gets there? As the kingdom ambassador, you make a way for the truth to get to them. I love this today. Let's keep going. Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter and the fifth verse. Let's go to number five now. The Bible says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. Here's principle number two. Here's principle number two. You must love the Lord wholly. And I'm not talking about H-O-L-Y. I'm talking about W-H-O-L-L-Y, meaning your whole heart has to be given. Your family must love the Lord wholly. There has to be a commitment for holistic love in your family. We have to teach our and train our family members and, and really release that in the culture that we don't want to operate in a space where we're giving God parts of our heart. Okay? When we give God parts of our heart, it opens the door to hell to bring things into our culture. God has never accepted second place. All in scripture. He said, I'm going to be first. He says, hey, you're going to have no other gods before me. I refuse to be second. So God wants your entire heart. And as you give him your entire heart, then it opens you up to the possibilities of what can be made available for your family. Your family must go in saying, I'm giving God my everything. This is why, let's talk practical. This is why you've got to rise up and say, I'm that kingdom ambassador. I don't care if I'm the son. I don't care if I'm the daughter. I'm that kingdom ambassador. My family will understand worship. Woo! My family will understand prayer. My family will understand the word. And you got to create a worship culture inside of your home where the presence of the Lord has access to the hearts of people. You've got to build something where the presence of the Lord has access to the hearts of people. You begin to create that space. You begin to create that moment, create that sound, create that hunger where it can be met. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled, right? You create that hunger there. God's going to meet them with the meat of his presence and change is going to happen there as the heart is lifted up to God. God says, you got to love me holy. I want that happening. So what are the practical steps that you're going to do? What are the things that you're going to do in order to build a space 
for your family to come in contact with the presence of God and put into action the things that must be placed into action for them to be able to go to that next level in relationship with the Lord. So again, number two is love the Lord holy. Okay, uh, Deuteronomy chapter six and verse number seven. Let's just, just walk through the scripture today. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. These things that the Lord has commanded in your heart. He said, you're going to teach to your children diligently. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. Verse nine, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Here's number three. We must teach the young. We got to teach the young. We got to teach the young. We must, if we want to build the right culture in our family and build it God's way, we got to teach the young. Here's the truth. Everything else is going to try its best to teach the young. Okay. My, my 13 year old, is uh, can tell you all he's he's halfway obsessed with Travis Scott, okay, and and I'm I must say I am sick of it. <laughs> I am sick of Travis Scott, not as a person, sir. I don't know you, um, but I'm saying I'm sick of hearing about him. I'm sick of all of his statements about that. Listen, but my job is to not just push my son away from learning all of these things about the culture of Travis Scott. My job is to teach my son the ways of the Lord. So it's not just to sit there and be like, you need to turn Travis Scott off. You need to turn this off. You need to stay away from him. No, I have to make the commitment to teaching him. You must make the commitment to be the teacher in your family line. You might not be ordained as a teacher. You might not even have the gift of teaching. But each and every one of us are called to grab a hold of that grace that the teacher releases to us. According to Ephesians chapter four, God said we have apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. What? For the upbuilding of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So that each and every one of us, we might not be a teacher, but every one of us by office rather. But each and every one of us is supposed to pull from the grace of the teacher. And we should be able to break down the word of God and break down the kingdom of God in a way where people can grasp it. Take a hold of the grace of teaching and this is the hour that as you jump in to shifting the culture of your family teach 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 it's time to teach and as you teach don't forget the young don't just talk to those people that are peers to you don't just talk to those people that you feel like understand it how will the young ever never ever understand if you don't teach them how would a young grow in their wisdom and grow in knowledge if you never teach them? We cannot start treating the young like they do not matter. This is why Paul was telling Timothy and he told Timothy, hey, let nobody despise your youth. Don't let anybody push you away because you're young. He told Jeremiah when Jeremiah gave the excuse of being young, don't say that I am a youth. So God is not interested in hearing that people are putting young people into a category and not feeding them the right level of meat and just giving them things that are lightheaded or things that are, are they're lightweighted rather and not giving them the heavier matters because we haven't taught them. You must teach them and raise them up. And if you teach them now, they're going to go to the next level. I'm going to tell you teaching them. The Muslims are teaching. They've raised their children from the young ages and teaches them the principles of Allah. Why Christians are sitting back and hoping that the Sunday school teacher breaks it down. 
why Christians are sitting back and saying, uh, how was children's church? You've got to take a hold of the responsibility of yourself to teach them. Even if it's a nephew, even if it's a cousin, you may not be their mother or daddy, but God has set you in the light of that person to be light in the midst of the darkness that the enemy is trying to send there. It's time to teach. I know I'm in your business. It's time to teach. Here's the next principle in Deuteronomy uh, chapter six, all the way through verse 10 down to verse 15. I'm not going to read through it all, but let's just jump down to verse number 13. Let's, let's jump down to verse number 13. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. Let's just pause there. You shall fear. That fear there is not the idea of I'm scared of God. Fear there is reverence, is reverence. Something we are missing culturally, even in Christian families, is the reverence of God himself. There's stuff that's allowed Nowadays that I'm like when I was growing up, we huh? Like it's stuff that, that, that people do and say that is this idea that we're we have no reverence for God and listen to this for the holiness of God. That God is set up in a, in a place all by himself. No one compares to him. We have moved into a place of commonality. I feel the prophet coming out of me. We have moved into a place of commonality with God. And the reason why we don't, we don't even honor fathers. You're wondering why you're, you're not honored as a father and a mother. I'm going to give this to you. It's going to be hard to eat, but eat it is good. It's because you don't honor God. No, it's not frozen. I pause so you can get it. It's important for you to understand that you want to honor, you want to be honored, honor. Honor God. Reverence him. Fear the Lord. And if you would honor God and fear the Lord, that thing is a culture thing. Remember his actions. If you begin to do that, that thing's going to bleed over into your family. <laughs> it's going to bleed over into your bloodline. It's going to bleed over to your culture. But the beginning stage, everybody wants to be honored. I got mothers watching me want to be honored. I got husbands that's throwing around the fact that you're a husband. You want your wife to honor you. I got wives that want to be honored. I got kids that want to be there. Everybody wants to be honored. But if you want to be honored, honor God. Right? You want to be in the position where people recognize you and recognize what you carry. Recognize what the God of heaven carries. Give it out. And settle your heart in that place. We've got to fear God. There must be reverence that returns. My God, there must be reverence that returns. Because when reverence is there, then there's something that's going to drive you to him rather than driving you away from him. When the reverence of God returns to the Christian family, something's going to shift because we're going to understand that this is not something I can just live by. Because it's this idea that I've been teaching for years. When you're perishing, then it's easy for you to deny the kingdom of God. And when, you, when you're perishing, it's easy for you to say no. You're like, easy? Yeah, because perishing is a slow death. It's not immediate. So you're perishing and you're dying, you're declining, but it's so slow that you don't recognize it and you don't see the need to shift. And oftentimes it's not till it's too late when you wake up and say, I got to do something different. Come on, you know people who just eating horribly their entire life, and then once their body starts shutting down, it's like, oh, I gotta change my diet. No, no, sister, you, you started to stop eating them Twinkies uh, back 20 years ago. 
I mean, at this point, my God, go on and finish the thing. I'm just kidding. It's only sure. Uh, uh, God <laughs> wants to push you into a place where you've got to create a level of reverence that you've never had. Fear God. Fear him, right? Let's keep reading. It says, fear the Lord and serve him. Good God. And listen, take oaths in his name. Verse 14, you shall not, here it is, go after other gods. The gods of the peoples who are all around you. God's saying, I don't care who everybody else is serving. I don't care who your family is serving. You serve me and not go after their gods. You don't conform. You create a culture that demands conformity. <laughs> you don't conform. You shift the culture in such a way where everybody else shifts. You don't dumb down your commitment to God. Nah, you press into that thing so strongly that the works and the power of God move so strongly in your life that the rest of your family shifts. Ah, yeah, there's a shifting that's happening and it's going to happen on the wings of you making sure that you don't conform, but you push everything else into conformity. The Bible says, for the Lord is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. Make sure you fear God. So here's number four. Here's my last point for you. You want your family to go to the next level. Create this culture of fearing the Lord. God must be seen as the most amazing thing that we could ever experience and have in our lives. Bigger than our ideas. Because here's the truth. All of us have ideas about life. All of us have ideas of how we think it should go. But all of those ideas must submit under the idea of God. The truth of God. And as you begin to do that, you'll see a shift that begins to come into place. God wants to take it to the next level. I've got to go. Let me give you this. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10. This is what it says. That I may know him. The power of his resurrection in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. You want to experience resurrection in your life? Conform to the death. Conform to the death of Christ. What do you mean? I'm going to commit that I'm going to put down everything else that's tried to live in my family culture that doesn't align itself with the will and the plan of God. To death, to everything else that does not align. I'm going to kill it and I'm going to kill it dead so the resurrection power of God can live in my family. Listen to me. There's shifts and changes that's going to happen around the table of your family. What I want you to know is that your culture, your communication, all of it is about to go to the next level, but it's going to happen with powerful intentionality. Catch this. God can change your family. Not only can God change your family, he can change your family today. God has the authority and he has the power to bring order to your family. God has the ability. If you place him on top in your family, he has the ability to shift everything about it and to put it into the place he designed for it to be in. I'm believing that the table called family in your life is about to experience major shifts and changes as you press into this. Number one, 
Your family must hear the truth continually. Number two, you got to be committed to love the Lord holy in your family. Number three, you must teach the young. And number four, you must fear the Lord. If you do that, the table of family is going to a whole nother space. Come on, lean in with me. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every individual that's watching this today who's believing for their family. You told me, God, weeks ago, revival is coming to the family even in this COVID-19 season. That something special is happening in families around the globe. And I thank you, Lord God, we won't connect with bad culture. We're going to embrace the culture of the kingdom of God. And we're going to do what the Lord has committed and said that we should do so we can walk in victory. Lord, this is our hour. And it's the brightest day and the brightest moment that our family will ever see. And so I'm just contending and I'm standing with my friends that are watching today, knowing, Lord, that you're sending breakthrough to their homes, breakthrough to their families, breakthrough to their lives. I'm praying for every mother. I'm praying for every father, every husband, every wife, every son, every daughter. I'm praying for them today and I'm believing, Lord, that you're shifting them and you're bringing them into the place of freedom. Their family is going to the next level and the time for the next level is right now.